before I begin, I would love to pray because I'm hearing that people are still coming in in the M3 rooms. So before I just begin, let's just, let's just take 15 seconds to allow the people to settle in, but also allow our hearts to just to quieten ourselves, to say, God, we're here for Christmas. We're here for the service. But my heart, we want to hear a word from you. We want to get something from you. Speak to me this Christmas day. We want to hear from the Lord God Almighty. Father God, I just want to thank you for every single person here on Christmas day. Bless them and bless their families. But Father Lord Jesus, may your presence be with us in this sanctuary, on the fourth floor and on the third floor as well. May your Holy Spirit, who is, who is everywhere, all at once, and I pray, Father God, that you will speak to us and that you will be with us. Father God, we give you that glory and praise, that honor that you deserve on this very Christmas day. We thank you, God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Just in case you're here for the first time and you have no clue who I am, um, my name is Isaac Ling, and I'm a pastor here in SIBKL. I'm married to one wife, and I'm a father of two kids. All right, uh, one, one wife. Where's my wife, by the way? So she's back there. She's back there. She gave up a seat. We both gave up a seat for, for everybody. She's back there. And um, my two sons are somewhere. They're, they're running, running around somewhere. I just trust they're safe. All right, so uh, my, we've got two boys. My youngest one is three years old, and my oldest is five years old, and they have the energy of heaven. All right? They have the energy that heaven must have blessed them with that I don't seem to have. Uh, so bless them. Um, you know, it was the year March, no, it was the year May 2020. It's a very special month and a very special year for me because that was when my second son was born. You know, it, it, I, I wish I had a picture, but I had to scour through the, the billions of pictures that I took um, and I couldn't find one. Um, but in that month where my son was born, just to jog everybody's memory, because I'm very sure all of us here would have put this memory in the, in the black box of our brains. In March 2020, the pandemic hit. Everybody remember? Do you remember something called COVID? Yeah, it's, it's hazy in our memory, right? It's like, oh, it's a thousand years away, all right? But March 2020 is when COVID hit. And it was the first time that it was a global thing. And there was no SOPs. There was no nothing, you know. We're not too sure what to do. Should we close? Should we not close? Should we wear masks? Not wear masks? Vaccine? Not wear vaccine? The hospitals are full. You know, the, the wards are full. The beds, there's no more beds. Uh, the, you know, so on and so forth. We remember those times. And in the midst of a pandemic, my son is to be born. So, you know, on May 2020, my son is born, or correct me, my dear wife, eight weeks before the due date. So he was born a little premature. Um, so he was not supposed to be born in May. So usually, like, if you know me a little bit better, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a very, I'm an active guy. I like to do things, all right? I'm a proactive person. So before my son is born, like every, every father, I'm sure you would, you, would, you would resonate with me, you have to prepare the bed, you got to prepare the the sterilizer, you know? Young parents, you remember that sterilizer that, that all young parents want to forget ever, right? You gotta prepare the bottles, prepare the milk, prepare the bed, prepare the diapers, prepare the clothes, prepare a, a, a place for him to stay when we bring him home from the hospital. We gotta prepare all that, but because he was premature, because he was eight months early, I had not prepared anything. Eight weeks. Eight weeks. Oh, sorry, not eight months. What did I say, eight months? <laughs> I do this very often, by the way. <laughs> eight weeks, eight weeks, thank you. Uh, he's eight weeks early. If he's eight months early, there's an emergency. Um, he's eight, eight weeks early. So I hadn't prepared anything, right? I hadn't prepared anything and we already have an elder son because at that time, we were also in the midst of, the, of a pandemic. So everything was shut down. Everything was locked down. It was MCO1. And as, as we were reading up, back then the hospitals, just to remind everybody, did not allow the father to be with the mother in, in the, while she's giving birth. Because of course, there's a COVID scare. We don't want to infect the nurse and the doctors and the mother and the baby if the father is positive. So, you know, before the mother goes in, she's got to do a COVID test and everything. So we were praying. We were really praying, like, because I really want to be there to support my wife, of course, of course. Um, and of course, to be there for the birth of my son, right? Um, so I really want to be there. So we were praying. And somehow in that week, we received that, yes, the father 
father can be in, but nobody else. No, no family members, no one else, only the father can be with the wife. So on that night, um, that, that, that very night, I think it was the... F- <sighs> Let's not mention the date. 15 of May? <laughs> Thanks, Meg, you can correct me. 15 of May. I remember it was midnight. I was doing some stuff. And I'll tell you that story some other time. I was doing some stuff around the house to prepare like a good dad. On the 15th of May, my wife called me into the room. She called me in and she says, babe, babe, I accidentally peed on the bed. And I looked at her and says, but why? Why? The toilet is right there. Why? She said, I accidentally peed on the bed. So she got up, uh, helped her up, like a good husband, of course. You know, went to the toilet and everything. She came back. I went to do my stuff. She called me again. Babe, I accidentally peed on the bed again. I was like, is everything okay? Do, you, do, you, like, do we need to go see a doctor? And then she realized, because I, you know, I'm blur, she realized that the water bag could have burst, right? Um, like for our first pregnancy, the water bag never burst because it, it was a C-sect, right? So it was a different scenario. So this time the water bag burst, all right? So just to give away the ending of the story. But at that moment, the, both of us had no clue whether it was the water bag or pee. Because if it was a water bag, we had to go to the hospital, right? If it was pee, just go to the toilet. There's two different things and clean the bedsheet and everything, right? Two different things, all right? So we had to determine whether it was a water bag burst or whether it was pee. So like, like a good millennial, I had to Google it. So I went to Google, how do you know if it's the water from the bag or water from your bladder? How do you know? Thank you very much, Google, because you did not help me at all. There was no answer that Google could give me. All right, so we were still panicking. And then, and then Kim, my wife, had a brilliant idea. You test by smell. <laughs> and I said, babe, you're a genius. I volunteer you to do it. <laughs> she says, no, I can't. I mean, babe, she's, you know, she's, she's, you know I think it was seven, seven or eight months pregnant. I can't, you know, I'm heavy and everything. And babe, I'm water boy. Can you just smell it? And I was like, babe. No, I will not put my nose to your pee. And if it really is pee, you would have just tricked me into smelling your urine, right? Um, she said, but, but we've got a test. So I said, okay, like a very good, loving, sacrificial person that I am, I said, I will take the hit. I will take, I volunteer for this, for this job. So I, I put my nose uh, to the bed. I took a great whiff. You had to breathe in, all right? And then you breathe out very quickly, right? You, you breathe in, and you breathe out, just so you don't contain urine. And then she asked, uh, so, is it urine, or is it the water? I looked at her, I've got no idea. <laughs> I, I don't know. Does it, it smells yes, macham yes, macham no. I don't know, it's a weird smell. I've never smelled this before. There is no other, there's no other time in the history of my life that I had to smell the water from a water bag. So I wouldn't know. I'm not trained in this area. So after a while, after a while, another 15 or 20 minutes has passed and all the drama is unfolding and I've just whiffed in pee, you know. Uh, we decided, I think, it's a, I think it's the water bag that burst. I think she's quite sure that the water bag burst because she's constantly leaking and it's not. So we rushed to the hospital um, and you know, we had to call in a favor for my, to look after my eldest son. We had to rush to the hospital and everything. And I remember on the way to the hospital, uh, uh, because it was like a 20 minute drive or 15 minute drive, on the way to the hospital, I remember I was thinking, oh no, I've not prepared uh, my house. What happens uh, uh, when, when the kid is birthed? What happens when he comes home? What happens to, uh, to everything? And then it struck me, actually, where do I sleep when I'm with you in the hospital? Because there's no more beds, you know, there's only a small little room, there's small little ward, there's no more beds, and I don't want to deny a, pers- a patient of a bed just because I want to sleep on a bed, you know? So I'm, then she said, I think you got to sleep on the floor. And I looked at her, I've already smelled the pee. How much more sacrifice do you want the father to take? And she said, I think you're to sleep on the floor. So this is where the genius in me presented, with, presented her a proposal. So I said, babe, you know what I think? I think after the delivery and everything, the, the, usually hospital beds, it's not that small, but not that big either. Why don't you just scooch? You, you can just sleep a little bit to the left, and then I can just sleep a little bit to the right, and we're gonna be uncomfortable for two more nights, but that's okay, then we'll go home and then we're fine. Right? That's, that's the genius of me. And then I looked at her, and then I remember, 
that the wife only needs to give you one look and every husband would know the answer is no. She looked and I looked, got it, understood. understood. I'll sleep on the floor, thank you very much. Forgot to bring my pillow, but it's okay, I'll, I'll make do, I'll make do, we'll sleep on the floor. Um, but that was the birth of my first child, uh, my second child, um, and he came into this world. And after all that thing, and after all the, the drama and the mamas, and I had to do a COVID test to go in, she had to do a COVID test, and we were all negative, and we were so happy. When we brought the baby home, um, our family couldn't visit for, you know, re remember those times for another one or two more months, couldn't see the baby, but praise God for technology, we got video technology. But we were so happy because our baby was born and he was healthy, he was good, and even though he was a bit premature, everything was good and it was a blessing because we thought we gotta, we gotta put him into Niku, uh, was it Nico? Niku, am I right? Okay, uh, uh, into an ICU or something because he's way premature, but God bless, he's home, he's safe, and now he's a little ball of energy keeping me from sleeping at night, all right? So I have a different kind of problem now, but it really reminds me, this story, of the Christmas story. It really reminds me of Joseph and Mary as well because the Bible says in Luke chapter 2 that for unto us a child is born and unto us a son is given. For unto us a child is born and a son is given. And this is not any ordinary son. This is not your son or my son. This is the son of the Most High God. This is the son of God Almighty who created the universe, who breathed life into us and this is His son that is born on earth. And I can't help but think, man, his, his condition, climate, can, is almost the same as mine when my second child was born, right? See, I've got to go through all this pandemic and everything, but back then in Jesus' time, he's got to go through a government that didn't like him, a king that was insecure, because he was called the king of the Jews. And when word got around that the king of the Jews was born, king of the land, which is King Herod, was not pleased and he ordered an, e and he ordered an edict to say, kill every baby boy under the age of two years old. So of course, there was chaos in the land, there was trauma in the land, no one was living in the land, and not only that, the, the, the parents were a little bit poor, so they couldn't find a hotel or a hospital to give birth in, so they had to settle for a little manger. And I'm pretty sure, you know, they did not prepare the house either to house Jesus because they gave birth in the manger. A manger is where all the animals live, so the animals eat there and the animals would defecate there, right? So the smell is mm, it's amazing, all right? The mixture of aroma. So that's where Jesus was born, right? He, he, he was born where he, he had no friends. He had, he had no family, he had no money, he had no power, no position, no nothing. But yet the king of this world, the king of the universe chose to, chose to enter this world as a little baby boy. And we're reminded today that for unto us a child is born and a son is given. And when he, was, when he was born, back then, what my wife and I would do is that we would wait one or two more days where she's, she's, you know, she's, she's lost a little bit of her water retention, all right, that she can put a little bit on makeup. We would take a picture and then we will post it on Instagram so that everybody would know that our second child is birthed into this world. But back then in Jesus' time, he did not have Instagram, he only had Snapchat. No, he did not have Snapchat. No Snapchat, no Be Real, no Facebook, no Instagram, no nothing, right? But he's got, he's got an, an announcement board that is way better than any social media. He's got the angels of heaven that will announce the birth of King Jesus. And the angels of heaven announced it to the shepherds and he said, do not be afraid, I bring you good news that will cause great We'll say it again. Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy. There is joy that is birthed in this world. No matter what the chaos is, no matter what the stress is, no matter what the drama is in the world, there is joy. And that's the birth of Jesus. And then the angels went on to say, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, to those on whom His favour rests, and on earth peace. See, there's not only just joy, there's also a peace. And this is a peace that only God can give. A peace in the midst of drama, a peace, a peace in the midst of trauma, a peace in the midst of riches or poor, a peace that only Jesus can give, even if the world is running amok around you. And He says on earth, peace to those on whom His favour rests. And you know, at the end of the service today, we pastors and leaders, we would love to pray for you that the favour of God will rest upon you. Because the favour of God is not for you to be the next billionaire, even though, yes, that may be your purpose. And if that is your purpose, remember me. I am your best friend. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> right. And the favour of God rests upon you 
He will give you that joy. He will give you a peace that the world has never known. So we want to pray that God's favor will rest upon you. But right now, for Christmas, there is a story that I would really love you to hear. It's a story of a couple. And this couple has lost that joy, has lost that peace all the years back then. And it was a difficult journey for this couple until they met Jesus. Could we roll the video? Hi, uh, my name is Zhu Hong. Uh, I'm from China. Hi, I'm Sunyi. We were married for 10 years. We met in Beijing. Then I find that um, he's quite interesting. Yeah, he's a bit different than the one on those uh, Chinese that I met. In the beginning, we still uh, was long distance. She's in KL, I was in Beijing. After one year, I decided to move to Beijing. Unfortunately, I'm not used to the environment. I decided to move back to Malaysia. So I talked to him, so I will leave you to make the decision. I felt like maybe I can have a try, but my heart was not ready. So I moved to Malaysia uh, for her. So we just got married, they had a baby. Things didn't work at what we planned. That's, that's where the tragedy started. The first year, marriage life is quite horrible because we have a lot of conflict in the method how to raise up a baby, from what to wear, what to feed. So in my mind, his focus is just the baby, not me. I feel like he come to Malaysia like torturing me. Uh, always argue with me, very sarcastic. He always compare me with his friend's wife. The minute he stepped into our house, I can feel the pressure. I feel like I can't breathe. When I see the marriage certificate, because it said, Yue Zhu Hong, foreigner. <laughs> I'm not Chinese here. So I start to feel I'm isolated. I don't feel like I'm, I'm belonging here. I made such a big sacrifice to come all the way to a foreign country. Why don't you compromise me? Hey, I sacrificed so much. So I'm becoming more and more self-centered. You have to cook my, my food. I don't want to eat your food. You ha I have to speak my language. If you speak Mandarin, you have to be real Mandarin. So now later, I have a depression. So that time I really feel like my life become meaningless. Why I'm married with this kind of man? Everybody just advised me that maybe it's time for you to make a move. Even parents, best friend, agree with it. You say like, if you really can't take it, you need to save yourself. That if there is no hope, you need to move out. I just want to give up. I really want to end this marriage. I still clearly remember the date was 12th of February. Um, we had a very bad uh, cold war. Actually, she made a decision already to have a divorce, but without telling me, so I didn't know. We went to church together. We didn't talk to each other, so we went to different corner. After the church service, Pastor Li Chu asked for anybody wants to have a prayer and come to the front. I, I feel kind of I want to go to the front. My heart feel very heavy, so I went in front for a praying session. Suddenly, Pastor Lichu asked me about what is your praying request. So I just told her that I want to go for divorce. I really lost hope in this marriage. Pastor Lichu asked me, yeah, is your husband here? Actually, he just next to Pastor Lichu. Yeah, then I, f I found, oh, she's there as well. As I happened to be nearby. I clearly remember she said, God only help when you have the willingness. I started crying. I just pray that God soften his heart, let you go into his work. Next day, uh, I got a text message. It was from a marriage counseling ministry leader. So we went to visit them at their house. I feel like somebody come to help me, but I feel like I didn't deserve it. I feel like the God's grace is uh, like the flood has come to 
embrace us. I, I feel my heart becoming a little bit softer. I felt like every day I start to read Bibles. Then um, I think the light becoming stronger and stronger. I suddenly realized how stupid I was just complaining about my wife, about my life, about food, about weather, everything. My foolishness just keeping me away from God's blessing. Then I feel some changes. So for the first time, he celebrated Valentine's with me. So usually I'm not very romantic, so I said rose to her. She was so happy. I think the biggest grace from God is we were blessed with a new baby. This is the most precious blessing from God. Because I used to lose hope. God really transformed us to be a new person. Everybody is broken, but with the grace of God, we still have hope. Thanks God for saving our life, saving our marriage. Wow, praise God. God is good. Zuhong and family, are you, do you happen to be here today? Oh, there you are, there you are. Welcome to church. We're so happy and thank you for sharing your story. And uh, she's going to deliver next year, January. Yeah, so praise God. We'll pray for a good baby, a good delivery. And Zuhong, I pray that you do not have to smell any water that comes out, if it comes out. Yeah. <laughs> But praise God, you know, that there is, there is always hope in this life. There is always hope in this life. And just to bring the Christmas story back, I really love Romans 15 verses 13. It says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in Him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. May the God of hope fill you with all joy not just a little bit of joy, not just some joy, but He will fill you with all joy, all peace as you trust in Him that you may overflow with hope. You know, I began, I began this Christmas journey uh, a few years back by asking myself, actually, what is hope? What does hope mean? Because we don't know what hope is. hope a feeling? Is hope a something? Is hope, if I, if, I, if I buy a new car, would I have a new hope in life? Would I have a new house? Does it give me a new hope in life? If I have a new relationship, does it, does it give me a new hope in my life? What exactly is hope? And this verse explains it perfectly because it says, may the God of hope. Now, what is this God of hope? The God of hope is, a, is found in a very specific verse, which is Hebrews chapter 6. Hebrews chapter 6 says, we have this hope as an anchor for our soul, firm and secure. This hope that is the anchor for our souls, firm and secure, will walk into the inner sanctuary, interceding on our behalf, carrying our sins and presenting them none before God. That is our hope. Then it clicked onto me that hope is not a feeling. Hope is not an emotion. You cannot just conjure hope out of nothing. Hope is not something that you can have. It's not a tangible thing. Hope is a person. Hope is a someone. And to me, this Christmas day, our hope, my hope, that someone is Jesus Christ. He is the hope for my soul. He is the hope for my future. He is the hope for my family. He will bring hope into my life so that I can live a life full of joy and full of peace. You see, this, this phrase is very nice. It says, we have this hope as an anchor for the soul. You see, what's an anchor? An anchor holds the ship down so that the ship doesn't sway to the left or to the right, affected by the winds or affected by the wave. That's an anchor. Hope will anchor you to what is good and what is gracious in this life. That's an anchor. You see, in this life, coming back to my story in the beginning, it's very easy for me as a person to be anchored by everything else but Jesus Christ, to be anchored by have I got my house ready for my son? To be anchored by, have I, do I really need to have a COVID test? And can I make sure it's a saliva test, not the test where they stab you in your, in your, in your nose, all right? Uh, uh, or, or 
whatever it is, financially not ready, house not ready, elder son not ready, haven't prepared anything, and I could so easily anchor myself in all these problems and all these stresses in life. It's so easy to say, oh my goodness, worry about COVID, is everything okay? You know, will my wife get infected, baby get infected, is the hospital, is it, am I going to be right next to the COVID ward in the hospital? It's so easy for my brain to just permutate everything, analyze everything and get lost, get absolutely lost. But everything is lost when the baby comes. And when I hold my son for the very first time, and I hold him, and he, he can't look at me yet, but I know he feels me, and I know I feel him. Trust me, if you've never experienced that, I pray you will experience that one day because the things of this world will just fade. You would forget where you are, you will forget what is wrong, you will forget how rich, how poor, how powerful, not powerful, how big house, small house, you have car to go home, no car to go home, can you pay the medical bills? In that moment, everything fades away because the joy and the peace that little baby boy gives you, the hope for the future. And it's the same thing on Christmas Day, that Jesus is that hope. He was born on Christmas Day, but He's no longer a baby. Now He lives in heaven, interceding on our behalf, looking down on each and every one of us here, saying that I am the God of hope and I want to fill you with all joy. I want to fill you with all peace so that you will not be swayed by the economy or the politics or the wars. You will not be swayed by your stress in your life and the pressures of your life. You will not be swayed left, right, front and center but you will be anchored by the person that is Jesus Christ, that you know and you know that at the end of your life, I have my soul that will go to see Him in eternity. That's the peace and the joy that the world cannot give you. That He angers your soul, that you know and you know that even though you are stressed out in life, that the life and the world is bugging you and knocking at your door, asking you for one, two, three, four, five things, but you will still know that Jesus as the anchor of your soul, He's still right there with you and you can still have joy and peace through the storms of this life. Then I ask my next question, what is joy and what is peace? You see, joy here in, in, in the book 1 Peter 1, it says joy is an inexpressible and glorious thing. It is a glorious thing, but it's inexpressible, which means that it's something that you cannot express. For example, if I ask you, how was your best Christmas meal? You will be able to explain. This is how the beef tastes like. This is how the, whatever you're gonna eat, okay, the lobster tastes like, or this is how the chagwetel tastes like. Whatever you eat on Christmas, you can explain. That's a joy that you can explain. But trust me when I tell you, when I was filled with Jesus Christ, when I was 24 years old, nothing changed in my life around me except for me. That I now have a new perspective of life, that I walk around with a joy that I cannot describe to you until today. That there is a, there is a, there's a happiness, there's a joy, there's a gladness that is in my heart. And He wants to fill you with that today. That you can still have all the stress, but there's a joy that's in your life. And I wanna ask, if any one of you, you've lost that joy, and you know it, when you go through life and, you, and there's, you've lost the smile, you've lost the skip in your step, you've lost the excitement when you go on a date, you've lost the excitement when you go to work, you've just lost the excitement in life and God says, I want to renew that joy in your life and I want to show you that life does not need to be this way. It can be a life filled with joy. Then He says, I not only want to fill you with joy, I also want to fill you with peace. You see, Philippians 4 says that the peace of God is above all understanding. You see, we can understand peace in this way. Where there is no war, there is peace. Where there is no conflict at home, there is peace. But what happens if there is a perpetual war and a perpetual conflict? Then we lose, we lose that peace. We're lost. We don't know what, what is head, what is tail anymore. And God says, I will give you a peace that even though there's wars, even though you might be in conflict, there is still a peace inside of you that is beyond all understanding because you know when you know that the God of the universe still holds you in the palm of His hands. You know when you know that at the end of your life, no matter what happens in this life, you will still see Him again in eternity because He lives in your heart. 
that is a peace that, trust me, the world cannot give. Only Jesus. Only Jesus. But He's asking one thing in return from us. In this whole verse, there is one request. You see, God is not a God that just give and give and give. You want this? Give. Like even for me and my son, he can ask for 10,000 things that he might not say yes to all. That he might only say yes to two out of 10,000 things. All right? Because I'm a good father. I know that eating sweets for breakfast, lunch, and dinner is a punishment not to you, but also to me. Because you're going to run around the house for the whole day and I'm going to have to pick up after you. Right? That's not good for you. Just like our God in heaven. He's not just there to answer requests, answer requests, but He's asking one thing in return. And that one thing that He asks for us in return is trust. As we trust in Him. There's a missing slide. But you can see the word trust. It's good enough. But as you trust in Him, so you may the joy of peace as you, when you put your trust in Jesus, why you've got that joy and why you've got that peace is because you know that this God, no matter what happens to you, your life is safe in His hands. That I trust my Heavenly Father that He's got a better plan for me. I trust Him that He will bail me out from whatever situation I'm in. I trust in Him that He will be there for me in my business. I trust in Him that even though I'm going through a very low period of my life right now, oh, there's a joy and a peace that would fill me. There is this trust that He's asking. And as you trust, there is a relationship between you and relationship between God the Father that's something we Christians, we call a covenant. There is a covenant relationship between us and the Father and that relationship is precious and that relationship will take you through the toughest of your times. Because when you put your trust in Him, He says, now, now you will overflow with hope. You see, this God of hope, He never once said, I will fill you with the spirit of hope. He never said that, right? He said that I would fill you with all joy and all peace, and when you trust in Him, then you will overflow with hope. Hope is a subset of the spirit of joy, the spirit of peace, and the spirit of trusting in our Heavenly Father, then you would overflow with hope. But what does it mean to overflow with hope? And I love this translation. One of the Bible translations says, to overflow with hope is to abound in the confidence in the promises of God. I'm abounding in the confidence of the promises of God that I know when my God promises me something, I know He will see it to pass. The wind, the waves, governments and nations, the universe and even time will not be able to say no when God has said yes to me. That confidence that I have in God is what makes me overflow with hope. And I want to ask, have some of you lost that confidence in God? Have some, some of us placed our confidence somewhere else apart from God? And now we're asking, and now we're confused, and now we're, we're doubting ourselves in life. God wants to bring you back. And God wants to say, I want you to overflow with hope. I want you to live this life full of hope. You know, this reminds me of a story about three weeks ago, I had the privilege to go on a little getaway um, with my young adult leaders. So it's a short getaway for the weekend. It was two nights and three days. We went somewhere a little farther from the city um, just to be with God and to, be, and to commune with one another and have a good time. But most importantly, just to get away and just to be with God um, in, in our solitude, right? That's our little young adults getaway. And I remember I made the decision that because it's three days and two nights, I decided to bring my wife and my two sons with me. So I looked through my schedule, and as they are with me, I saw that there's one afternoon that is free um, for, for you to do anything, for me to do anything I want. So I told my children, I told my sons that um, Daddy has a free afternoon today, and Daddy will spend time with you, and we will do whatever you want. What do you both want to do? And they both said, we want to go swimming. All right, because there was a nice pool over there. And apparently, apparently, 
It's the first heated swimming pool in Malaysia. All right, you can go and Google where that is. All right, so they were all excited. And I was like, okay, I'm excited to go swimming with you because I haven't been swimming with you for a very long time. You know, it's going to be fun. You know, and they came to the trip preparing for a swim. So they brought all the gears, they brought all the toys, they brought all the swim, swim toys and stuff like that, right, to go in the pool. Uh, so we're all excited. And then I looked at my watch and I said, but it's only 1.30. It's only 1.30, all right? Boys, this is not the time to go swimming yet. Can you wait a little while longer? Just hold on, just a little while longer, as the song says. Daddy will take you swimming at four o'clock. So there's two and a half hours between now and four o'clock, all right? Daddy will take you swimming at four o'clock. Is that okay? And the boy said, okay. You promise? Daddy promised you. Daddy promised to take you swimming at four o'clock, all right? But the promise, I also need something in return from the both of you. And I said, okay, what is it, Daddy? He says, mommy and daddy need you to give mommy and daddy some sleep from 1.30 to 3.30. Just two hours, boys, two hours. Give mommy and daddy some sleep. And if you're good boys, mommy and daddy will take you swimming at four o'clock. Is that okay? And they both said, yes, daddy, we're gonna be good boys. So trust me, how, how do you trust when a three and a five-year-old says they're gonna be good boys and not make noise and let mommy and daddy sleep for two hours? Can there be a trust, young parents? All right, it's tough, it's tough. Some of you are like, no, that's, it's tough to trust that. But it's true. On that afternoon, the heavens opened. God shone in His radiant glory upon my both sons. And they both really let us sleep for two hours. There was a Christmas miracle, a miracle of God. They were playing by the corner. You know, they were just reading their own books. They're playing with their own toys. And I, I, I wasn't really sleeping. How can you sleep when your son is playing around, right? We don't, we don't want them to hurt themselves. So I was just resting. And I could hear them talk. Just talk. Don't, don't do this because it's going to be loud and then mommy and daddy will wake up if we want to go swimming shh I said okay I'm impressed in the name of Jesus could this be every day <laughs> I'm impressed and he struck 3.30 in the afternoon 3.30 on the dot they called us up they jumped on our beds they woke us both up and says mommy daddy it's 3.30 let's go and get ready for swimming now so I says okay you've been good boys daddy will keep his promise let's go for swimming so we, you know, we had to dress the babies up in the swim gear we had to put the swim gear on I had to get ready Kim had to get ready and the boys had to go and pack all the swim toys or the specific toys so their aunt got them a little nice gift which is Noah and his ark so there's a lot of animals in the ark that can float on water right and it's Every animal come in pairs, but of course, because it's Noah and his ark, every animal must come in pairs. So I have to count with them. Do you have all the animals in your ark before you go down? Otherwise the flood will come and then no more animals. All right, so they counted each animal for me. Um, and I said, are we ready? Yes. So my kids were ready to swim. I was ready to swim. Kim was ready to swim. Noah and his ark was also ready to swim. All right, so we're all, we left the door. We were all going to swim. And just as four o'clock hits, how did you know? How did you know? How does everybody know my story? You know, did you ask somebody? You're right, it rained, it rained. And this is the Malaysian rain. It didn't drizzle. It didn't just have one or two drops. It rained, it actually poured, right? And, and my son said, Mommy, it's okay, let's go swimming. And he said, we're gonna get wet in a swimming pool. We're gonna get wet by rain. What's the difference? I said, that's good logic, son. But we're forgetting the thunder and the lightning. All right, we're forgetting that. So I asked, you know, in my desperation, I asked my wife, I said, babe, do you think we can still swim in the rain? It's okay, just let us swim in the rain one time, one time. And she said, she gave me the look again. Remember that look? <laughs> got it. I'll tell my sons no. All right, so I gotta tell them no. I says, I'm sorry, sons. You can't swim because it's raining. And then my eldest son said to me, but daddy, you promised. But daddy, you promised me. You promised me. We were good boys, right? Yes. You promised me at four o'clock, right? Yes. So why can't we go? It's just a little bit of rain. I says, we can't, son, because of the thunder and the lightning. But what we can do is we can walk to the swimming pool and see if it's still raining by the time we get there. Which is, which is by the way, a, a 30 seconds walk. So we walked there, guess what? It's still raining. It's still pouring and I told my son, it's still raining, we can't swim. I'm so sorry, we can't swim. It's at that moment, by the power of the Holy Spirit, something in me said, pray. And I remember asking God in that split second, pray for what? Pray for the rain to stop. 
And I remember there was at least a 10,000 year gap between the Holy Spirit talking to me and me actually praying. Because there was a, there was a conflict between me and God. Right? I said, you sure God? Pray for the rain to stop. It just started. God, do you understand that we're in Malaysia? It doesn't stop in two minutes, okay? It is about half an hour and then maybe it would, it would start to drizzle, but it's still raining. God, do you know? God, what happens if, you, if it doesn't come to pass? Then I would have just prayed with my sons and I'm, now, I'm, teach, I'm in this season where I'm teaching them that God answers prayer. So when you're sick, let's pray for God. He answers prayer. When, you know, when, when daddy is stressed, let's pray together. God answers prayer. When daddy's preaching for Christmas, would you pray for me? Because, you know, so that I can feel with the Holy Spirit, God answers prayer. How can I teach them this lesson? If I pray for the rain to stop and it doesn't stop, now I've got another damage control to do with my kids. God, do you not understand the predicament that you're putting me in? As if God doesn't know, right? But that's how we talk to God. And the Spirit of God in me says, Son, I've asked you to pray. Just pray for the rain to stop. I said, okay. Compose myself. <sighs> took, took, took my son's hands. I said, sons, why don't we pray? Why don't we pray? Pray for what, daddy? Pray for the rain to stop. Yes, daddy, let's pray because God answers prayers. Okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah. God, God, because my sons always repeat after me. That's, that's how I train my sons to pray. God, have God, God, Heavenly Father, Heavenly Father, we love you, we love you. We want to swim today, we want to swim today. Will you stop the rain? Will you stop the rain so that we can go swimming, so that we can go swimming? And then at that very moment, the Spirit of God in me, I don't understand until today, the Spirit of God says, now you say, stop in 10 minutes. And because I was in the middle of prayer, there was no 10,000 years to argue with God. All right, there was no time. So I was in the middle of prayer, I was praying my sons, I says, and may the rain stop in 10 minutes. And may the rain stop in 10 minutes. In Jesus' name, amen. And I, I knew at that moment, I said, why did I say 10 minutes? Why 10 minutes? My God, I could have said 45 minutes, all right? There is a greater logical chance for the rain to stop in 45 minutes. Then we can attribute it to God answers prayers, all right? Why Jesus? And at that very moment after the amen, you know, the four of us, seriously, because Kim was praying with us, right? There was two adults, there's two kids, we were looking out the glass window to see if the rain stopped. And I remember I held my wife's hand in anticipation, full of hope that the rain would stop. And in that moment, it rained heavier. There was a greater pour. The rain was pouring, it was pouring. And I, whoa, there was a distinct moment. I turned to my wife, I says, and I whispered, because I didn't want my sons to hear, right? I says, babe, babe, do you think, is it just me or, or did the rain just get heavier? Is it just me? And she says, my, my, I think the rain got heavier. I said, oh. then, then at that moment, my eldest son turned around and says, Daddy, I think it rained more. I, says, I think so too, son. He says, but it's okay, we've already prayed. But we've got another nine minutes, so why don't we just go back to our rooms and we just wait there. So I said, okay, fine, we go back to our rooms. We wait there, we wait for our rooms, and kids being kids, right, Daddy? Are we there yet? Is it 10 minutes yet? Is it 10 minutes yet? Ten, every 30 seconds, son, you're causing me more stress. My, I need to take my medications. Son, chill. You, you need to chill so that I can chill, all right? I'm equally anxious as you, all right? I really, I want the rain to stop more than you at this point, okay? So, you know, at the ninth minute, we were still anticipating for the rain to stop. It was still pouring, it was still pouring. And I says, oh, Jesus, all right. What is my contingency plan now? How do I say this to my kids? Jesus, but I still trust in you. I trust you. Don't let me down now, please. At the 10th minute, we looked out the window of our room and the rain stopped. The 10th minute. And the rain stopped. I couldn't believe my eyes. I believe but could not believe. Do you know that feeling? I believe because God, you said it to me, but I couldn't believe. Wow, the rain stopped in 10 minutes. It was a torrential rain and it just lifted and it just stopped. And then my sons got so excited. We said, let's go. I got excited with them. I'm, I'm excited for different reasons, right? Because God answered prayers. They're excited because they can swim. So we got out the room. We went downstairs and I remember as we were walking to the swimming pool, my eldest son said to me, Daddy, I think my prayers are more powerful than yours. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, oh, wow, all right, all right, do you, do you, you know I'm a pastor, right? Uh, <laughs> I didn't say that. I said, well, son, 
I think my prayers are more powerful than yours because I'm closer to heaven. All right, my antenna is closer to heaven, so my God will hear me better. So if you want your prayers to be heard, start eating your vegetables like daddy so you can grow tall and strong. Amen. Hallelujah. Kill two birds with one stone. But we went for a swim. Um, we had a great time for 45 minutes. We had a great time. They swam. They were joyful. I was so filled with joy and peace like you have never known in your entire life. So much joy and peace. And then that night, as I, as I went back to the room to pray with the leaders and we had a worship encounter session, I remember I was asking God a few things, but then God started to speak to me about this one thing. And then God says, do you know why? And I said, that's a good question, God, why? And then He started to reveal to me that I, in my human flesh, I could promise my son anything I want to promise. I could promise him that it won't rain. I could promise him to go swimming. I could promise him that when he grows up, he can go overseas to study. I can promise him that daddy will be there for you when you get married and when you get your, your, your children and I will play with your children. I could promise him that anything. But in that moment, I realized that actually, actually, if we look at ourselves, if we strip out our ego, we take off our ego, we take off our mask, we take away our pride, we take away our self-righteousness, we take away everything, in that moment you would realize that actually you have no control over what you can promise. You can control the weather, you can control the future, you can control the economy, whether you're rich or poor. You can control whether he will go overseas or not. You can control that you will live till you are 80 years old to see my son's sons or my son's daughters. I can't control any of that. I can't control anything. And when I actually look at the bigger picture of my life, actually, what can I control? What can I control? And God says, you can control one thing. Your faith and your trust in the promises of God. You see, God is a God who can promise you something. And He's the God of the weather. He's the God of the future. He's the God of time. He's the God of the riches of this universe. He's the God who can control everything and everyone and anytime. He can control anything. He's an all-powerful, almighty God. The beginning and the end, the alpha and the omega. He can be everywhere at once. He can be nowhere at once. He can speak to everybody here at the same time each different things and He can speak to you what you need to hear in your spirit right now because that is the God we serve. And God says, true hope is not in the promises of men, but true hope is in the promises of God because only He can say something and He will make it come to pass. We have no control. You see, for some of us here, when we've, we've prayed once in our life, You've prayed maybe sometime back then, but after you pray, the rain in your life got heavier. After you prayed, more storms came into your life, more pressures of life, more stress of life came to you, and you, you're wondering, God, why is the rain heavier after I prayed? But God says, do you still trust in me? Do you still trust that when I say that the rain will stop, I will stop the rain so I can speak to you, my son? And He wants to speak to you today. I have a word for somebody here today. As I prayed last night, I have a word for somebody. And I want to speak it to you this morning. And I know that you, you need to hear it this morning. Because we have a God of hope that would overflow with hope in your life. That will give you so much joy and so much peace. Only if we give our life to Him and say, Jesus, will you come in? And because I want to trust in you. I want to trust in you. I don't want to live my life this way anymore. I don't want to live my life in despair or depressed. I don't want to live my life in sickness and whatever it is, or loneliness. Father God, I need you, and I want to put my trust and my faith in you because we have got a God of hope. You see, the Bible says, there's a few favorite scriptures of mine. The Bible says this, in Exodus 14, 14, that we only need to stand still and see the deliverance of the Lord. But just like me, and I think most of you are like me, we're proactive people. It's very difficult to stand still and do nothing. When something has gone wrong in our life, we want to control it. We want to say, God, I want to, let's do this. Let's talk to this person. Let's get this business. Let's do this thing. Let's make this deal. Let's have sleepless nights. Let's go on a computer. Let's Google it. Let's do everything it is. 
but God is speaking to your life today, just stand still and see the deliverance of the Lord for He will fight for you. But I have a specific word for you this Christmas. It's one of my favorite books and I want to leave this with you. Zechariah 9, verse 12. The book of Zechariah in the Old Testament, 9, verse 12, it says, Return to your fortress, O prisoners of hope. Even now, I announce that I will restore twice as much to you. Return to your fortress, O prisoners of hope. Even now, I will restore twice as much to you. For some of us here, you've been prisoners of despair for long enough. You've been prisoners of your depression for long enough. You've been prisoners of your loneliness and your joylessness life for long enough. You've been prisoners of your stress and your pressures and your, your control of life. You've been prisoners and all these things in life has controlled you, has imprisoned you, and you've lost that joy and you've lost that peace. But today, God says, you would cast aside all those things and you are now prisoners of not depression or stress or pressures or hope or sicklessness. You are now prisoners of hope. And God will say, I will capture you with the hope of God. And God says, I will restore to you twice and I will restore to you double, and I will give back to you when you put your trust in me. I don't know who has, who, who, who has this, whose word is this for, but there's two things when I was praying over you. The first thing is, you've been praying for salvation in family for a long time. God says, don't worry, I got you. You will be restored double. And when they come to know me, I will not only give them joy, I will give you joy. There is a double joy blessing upon your life. And the second category is, there is a business here that you started this year and it has not been going as well as you planned. But God says, you put your trust in me, I will restore unto you double what you've lost or any other business in this place. So today, it is my prayer, it is really my prayer that you say yes to Jesus because He came into this world to seek and to save what was lost by darkness and this world. And sometimes that is us. That was once me, and now for 19 years since I was saved, next year will be my 20th year, I have never once regretted that decision when I said yes to Jesus Christ. So could I have all heads bowed and all eyes closed? And if you are in church for the first time, the reason we bow our heads and close our eyes is because we want to honour what the Spirit is doing in this time and we want to honour those who want to give their life to Jesus. So this is a call. If you feel something in your heart, if you feel lost, if you feel anything, God says He wants to come into your life and He wants to speak to you today. He wants to live in you today. He wants to be with you today and He wants you to overflow with hope. 